So I'm going to be very open and transparent and say that the things that help me heal is not one thing. It's not just therapy. Therapy helps in one space. And then I do yoga and I do other things. You know, I do massages, chiropractic, meditations, all of these things. Incorporated, this is the What She Said podcast with your host, Rola Shea. Here, we understand that transitioning from a teenage girl to a thoughtful and thriving adult is a tough journey to travel. So, why navigate the path alone when you can walk with women who've been in your shoes? So, we invite you to come as you are with your mess, confusion, and stress and bloom with us into elegant, graceful, and resilient young women. You've just entered a safe space where black girls and young women speak their truth and differences without feeling judged or guilty about it. A space where you can acquire qualities that make you confident, mindful, mentally and emotionally healthy, and poised with an unshakable sense of belonging. So with your journals in hand and a receptive heart, let's hear what this week's resilience and graceful guest has to say. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host, Ro Anderson, and today it's just you and me. Yes, today we're going to be talking about therapy and touch on some thoughts and ideas around therapy in the Black community. I'm also going to share with you a little bit of my experience why I think therapy is beneficial and some tips and tools on how to find the best therapist. So before we get started, I think it's fair for me to introduce myself. <laughs> I just assumed that the people that will be listening to the podcast are people I have crossed paths with and people that already know me, right? So if you listen to any of the previous episodes, you kind of never hear me talk about who I am or introduce myself in any kind of way, but I'm, I'm learning and getting better. So I, I think it's important to talk a little bit about myself first before we get into the meat and potatoes of the conversation. So first and foremost, my name is Ro Anderson and I am the founder of Girl Stance. Girl Stance was birthed through my experience as a yoga teacher. I've gone through a bit of trauma in my upbringing and I found yoga. I found yoga in my early 20s and it began to transform my life. I began to develop what we call self-awareness. At that time, I didn't have the word, the definition or the word for what I was feeling, but it was self-awareness. And when I began yoga in in my mid-20s, that was the first time I ever recognized self-awareness. Let me see, how can I simplify this a bit or make it more clear? I think those who get it, get it. But it was this feeling of being aware of certain patterns and habits. And um, I think before that, I was just on autopilot. I was just like living life kind of recklessly and, you know, just doing whatever. But um, yoga introduced me to self-awareness just by stretching through the body feeling parts of the body and thus you know I think once you start feeling things in a body you can then begin to integrate that into all areas of your life you begin to pay attention a little bit closer and a little bit better with 
not only sensations in your body, but with interactions with people, the way you make people feel and what's going on around you, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, yoga birthed that in me. And I think I naturally desire to give this back to the youth, to my community that I grew up in. I just feel like it's a very beautiful tool. So I began teaching and um, urban, I don't, what's the term? Let me just be very transparent. When I start naming communities, and a lot of people in the nonprofit space and in any type of space that does deals with research and youth and community, you know these terms I'm talking about, these at-risk, these vulnerable, these um, disenfranchised, or, um, you know, those type of terms that we use to identify black people sometimes and to identify communities that are thought of as improvished. So to me, it is a bit cringy to me to say that. And that's because of my own mental and spiritual practices of words are powerful. So I don't like to call my people at risk. I don't like to call my people disenfranchised. I don't like to call them dysfunctional or this whatever dis <laughs> I don't like to dis my people <laughs> um so yeah that's just a little sign note but when I do say these things I am using them to be interchangeably um and for the masses of people to understand so it's more of a common terminology not so much how I feel about my people so when I say when i when I'm teaching at at-risk schools, I'm saying that because of commonality, speaking in layman's terms, um, and not to complicate the conversation. So just wanted to say that disclaimer. So back to the story. I began teaching at at-risk schools. I started out doing before school and after school classes at the gyms with kids. Um, just introducing it to yoga. A lot of the ways I got into the schools were because the peers I grew up with, my classmates are now coaches and teachers at these schools. So they're now serving the schools that they came from as well. So that is some way I kind of got into that space. A lot of people ask me that, well, how did you get into the schools? It was through relationships and peers that I, I went to school with. and we had conversations and I've asked questions like, hey, what, what do you guys think about me coming in and doing some yoga with your kids or with your gym kids or with your basketball team or with this and with that? And that's how I got into the schools. Um, teachers started noticing it. Of course, research helped out more because at that time we were still in the space of not a lot of research was backing up the benefits of yoga. Um, it was still a bit taboo as well. So research started to come out around simultaneously while I'm pitching these things to these schools and these spaces. And people are becoming interested. They're becoming curious because they're seeing the effects of what's happening with the kids when we're doing yoga. And um, yeah, long story short, I kind of fell in love with it. I also noticed that a lot of girls was gravitating to me naturally and the class was just packed with girls. So initially it was a co-ed experience, but it just turned into the girls coming <laughs> and it's uh, obviously it's reasons behind that because of relatability and representation right but that's going to be another podcast topic but that's why I believe the girls navigated to me with um, so much ease and comfort so anywho the idea sparked to host a yoga camp a summer yoga camp um, I seen it I believe I saw something like this online um, in a different city somewhere in the north 
West Coast somewhere. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Like, what? Why weren't we doing this here? <laughs> so I launched Girl Dance. And my very first um, community event was a two-week-long yoga retreat. And I did it in partnership with another grassroots organization at that time that was serving girls as well. So that was the first time we did any type of yoga camp. I just went out there and I was like, let's do a yoga camp, a two-week yoga camp, and let's figure out a space, let out this, this and this and that and that. Very much a visionary over here. That is me. Um, so it happened. You know, it happened. We got a ton of um, people interested in it, and we did that, and it happened. And thus, Girl Sense is born. So then after that, we do our first camp, our week-long day camp. So let me be clear. That was a day camp, a week-long day camp, two-week-long day camp. Um, I became even more a visionary. My vision started coming again, and it was like, wait a minute. Within the yoga community, there it has its own community as well. It has its own community of people who are going on retreats out the country, and all these things is happening around our country, our space, and it's so unique, you know. So I would see all these retreats happening and people getting together, doing yoga outdoors, and eating snacks and all these fun things look so relaxed. And I was like, whoa, what if we could do something like that for young girls, like middle school girls, high school girls? Man, it would be dope. So then thus, the retreats were born. <laughs> and we began to do our yoga youth summer camp retreats. Um, but just fast forwarding so we don't have to get into the entire history of Girl Stands. We're already 10 minutes in. Um, yeah, so now we're here and we have a podcast and we're opening space to share some of these stories that I've had with these girls on the podcast. So a lot of times I connect with the girls and they're just sharing their experiences with me and talking about similar situations I had growing up. And, I, you know, again, the vision kicked in. I was like, okay, let's do a podcast. That would be cool. Let's talk about this on the podcast. So that's where we are. Um, but today, as I said earlier, we're going to be discussing therapy. Now, therapy is um, becoming very popular. You know, I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge that. Um, it's becoming very popular. Now, my concern is that it's becoming a highly discussed and talked about trend, but are people really seeking therapy? Are people really in, you know, going to their sessions weekly or bi-weekly or whatever the case may be? You know, are we doing these things or are we just riding a trend? Um, but that's neither here nor there. But if you're into therapy, if you're interested in therapy, if you got any type of resistance or whatever, or if you got questions about how to find one, I'm going to discuss that today. And I'm going to get into some real deal emotions that I've experienced when seeking therapy and that I've experienced, you know, when I first started therapy and where I am now. So... Therapy is um, still has a bit of stigma connected to it. It has a bit of stigma. I'm not sure if it's so much a person thinking that there's something wrong with them more than it is a person honoring their privacy. So, you know, we talk about it being a stigma, you know, it being associated with, you know, I guess people as alcoholics and people with other struggles and traumas not pe not not regular people not people that seem regular right i'm not an alcoholic i'm not someone that has been um physically abused or sexually abused so i don't need therapy that's kind of the mindset that we often can have right that therapy is only for a certain kind of trauma 
So I just wanted to talk about that just off gate. Just let y'all know, no, that's not true. Therapy um, is beneficial for many traumas, seen and unseen, felt and not felt. Just wanted to kind of touch on that because that's one stigma I think we may believe. The second one, I think I mentioned already, but the second one is the fear of your privacy being leaked in some some way, I guess, is what I'm going to how I'm going to say it. The fear of privacy. You know, um that was a big thing for me when I first started as well. I initially started therapy with a white therapist, a white old woman. Yeah, she was an old gray-headed woman. And it was a bit interesting. I think it took me maybe, you know, just being completely honest, it took me maybe six months to finally start opening up and talking about certain things. Then it took another year or so for other things to come out. And I think in that process, me and her was kind of like still becoming shocked and aware that I had more in me. I had more death. I had more traumas. I got these things now that's, that's coming up back up into my memory, blah, blah, blah. So... Um, It takes a while to become comfortable with a therapist. I think the idea of um, going to therapy for the first time, it's like you're going to be healed immediately. No, it takes time. It takes a long time. And I said six months, right? I said it took me six months to open up. So that was like, I didn't even open up fully that first six months. It took me, even after that first six months, I may have shared something more personal about my life at that point. Just a little a little pinch and then it started coming out a little bit more coming out a little bit more coming out a little bit more and that turned into approximately four or five years if I'm being honest that turned into approximately four or five years that's how long it took me to deal with some things (laughs) about safety vulnerability and all of these other things. And, th- and through this process, you know, I dated people. I had friendships, all of these things. I'm just working through my stuff while I'm living life. So, yeah, we're here to this day. And I'm now in a space of my first black therapist. Now, this one is interesting. This is an interesting experience because I think the main conversation is about cultural appropriation and, you know, having someone that you can relate to and that you feel comfortable with right but from my experience guys this is just my experience i will say and i think there's some research to back this for a majority of people but i'm going to just share my experience my reality i would say when i got connected with my black therapist i probably was more uncomfortable than i was with the white therapist and this is why The main reason why is because, for one, I'm locally in a small city. I live in a small city. And for me, I am a research person. I'm going to research a person before I sign a type of situation or relationship where I'm sharing these type, you know, these type of thoughts and feelings to a stranger. I'm going to research you and I'm going to look into your credentials. And that's a part of what we're going to talk about later, right? research. Um, But I am that person. I am going to research you and I'm going to find out as much as I can and who you're connected with, what type of institutions you taught from, um, what are the reports and reviews from that institution and your peer. Like, yeah, that's me. Um, Anywho, so I do that (laughs) with everybody, not just black 
or white, not just a black therapist. I do that with everybody. Um, because I'll go into how I found my first therapist as well, which we were going to get into with the topic on research. But um, I am that person. Um, I like the best of the best, but I also I want someone who is professional and understands and upholds HIPAA laws. I've worked in insurance. I'm very aware of HIPAA laws and how these things are federally regulated and, you know, there is a space where you you take that oath when you sign up to be in this situation as a counselor or anyone that deals with someone's personal information. And with me being in insurance, I had to see people's social security numbers, their addresses, and all those type of personal things that you just don't allow out to the public. So HIPAA laws are very big for me and people that uphold them. Um, so that's the kind of research I, I kind of look for. Um, but even in that space, I've done my research. I found someone local, black woman. Yes. Let's see what this feels like now. Because, um, you know, I kind of grew out of my other experience. And that's another part of the topic um, we will talk about later. But I grew out of my last experience and I was looking for someone with a different um, method, a different teaching method. And I found a black lady that had, had credentials in the areas that I was looking for. And yeah, it was challenging because I'd seen that she was connected with some people that I knew and worked with. And I'm like, uh, what if, you know, I'm going to therapy and I share some personal information with her and it gets out into the public. Like, what? This is too close to home. So again, that trust issue, right? That trust issue is coming up. And that can come up in different ways, right? That can come from my similar circumstances as me or it can come from ancestral trauma and just having issues with you know trusting people outside of your immediate tribe yeah I dealt with that and I share that just to let you know that's normal that's okay um it has taken me some time to get to this place but for me, again, with my yogic practices and other teachings, I'm becoming more and more clear that there's nothing someone can know about me that they could use to hurt me. You know, because I think that's, for me, that's where the root is. Like, uh, like if we're in survival mode, it's, it's almost like a paranoia that if someone knew certain things about you or knew what you were struggling with, they would use it as a weapon or, I don't know, it's just, you know, all of these things that we kind of adopt, these beliefs that we kind of adopt to, that uh, forms a biases towards our own people and um, other people as well. So that was one situation in fear that I went through. And um, I still think sometimes about it, but I don't hold as much weight to that idea anymore. So that idea doesn't block me from seeking therapy. Therapy is an extremely personal experience and I think you should take your time uh, feel things out seek a few therapists um, sign up for your first first one if you've never had one sign up for one that's online that you may feel more comfortable with virtually and just feel out the vibes um, see what you like and what you don't like about it and then you know just flow with it keep it moving don't think too hard about it just you know go in knowing what you want to get from it and go in asking questions that can help you feel more comfortable. So for example, 
during my first therapy session, I jotted down my goals for therapy. What do I want to get out of this? You know, a sense of ease with my emotional thoughts. What do I want to get out of this? A better understanding of other people's behavior and how to navigate that. Like, you know, you have to sit with yourself first and see some of the things you're struggling with, whether it's financial, whatever the case may be, and figure out what you want to get out of the experience. I think with the trend of yoga around now, people are just wanting to do it to add to a soft girl life or whatever, the, that girl life, right? Which we were going to have another podcast about that. But I think a lot of people get into trends and there's no end goal. There's no um, growth, self-growth, mindset growth in the experience of seeking a therapist. So first and foremost, what, are, what do you want to get out of that experience? And then from there, we go into the next topic, which is research. So once you've kind of set with what you want to get out of the experience, um, now it's time to do some research. So I'm, I'm going to try to keep this section simple, right? Like research to me is important because it gives you a, for me, it gives me a bit of ease knowing what I'm going into. So for me, when I'm researching a therapist, I'm first wondering how many years they've done this. What, again, what institutions are they with? Um, what are their reviews? You know, some people have reviews and some people don't. Do they have their own personal practice or are, 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 are they under a particular um, company? And if they're under a company, what is the reputation of that company? Um, therapy, also has so many different categories. So you have behavioral therapy, cognitive therapy, um, financial therapy, gender therapy, you know, you have so many different practice styles. Just kind of like yoga. If you do yoga, you know when you go into a yoga studio um, website, there typically is not just a simple yoga, right? They have Ashtanga, they have Mysore, they have power yoga and all these things and anyone that's new to yoga I'm pretty sure that's intimidating like you don't know what that is right so it's kind of like with therapy um, therapists have all of these different um, abbreviations behind their names like CBT and PHP and all these things and <laughs> you kind of have to figure out what those mean so first you know figure out what it is you're looking for what goes do you want to accomplish? And then try to mend together what type of therapy that is for you. Now, the easiest way I would say to do this is to maybe, you know, do your research and then figure out what therapists you like in your area based on what you've read on their profile, how many years they've been in business. For me, it has to be over uh, 10 years. Now, that's a stretch for some people. Some people are okay with five or six years. And five or six years is very good. Um, but for me, I need 10 or 20. Like 10 or 20 years dedicated to this practice. Um, and that's just my preference. Again, I recommend, you know, someone five or more. And uh, if you're a beginner, um, you know, and just fill it out. Just start there and see how that feels for you. But um, yeah, figure out how many years they're in the business and what credentials they hold. And oftentimes when you're on Psychology Today or other ther therapy searching websites, 
they will have their specialties listed. So they will tell you that they deal with behavioral therapy. That means like, I guess, anxiety disorders and things of that nature, cognitive therapy, um, autistic specialists, um, gender specialists. They will have things listed that they feel comfortable with and the people, the type of clients that they work well with. Um, you even have some therapists that will go as far as to say they specialize with um, government officials like police and firefighters, right? So just look at that and see what makes sense for you and what category you may fit in. And then from there, reach out to that therapist because oftentimes, again, they either have their email address or they have a phone number. Um, so once you get that information from their profile, you then go and email them and introduce yourself and let them know that you are seeking um, interest as a new client and you're looking for more information on how to sign up. And from there, asking them, hey, these are just some highlights of the things that I'm struggling with and looking to make set goals around. Is this something you specialize in? And that's it, right? Just ask that question. And oftentimes they will get back to you and say, yay or nay, or absolutely. And unfortunately, I don't have space for new clients right now, but here's so-and-so and so-and-so that may can help you. Sometimes they even refer you to someone else. Or they would say, you know, no, that's not my specialty, but, you know, here's someone that I know that may can help you. So it's a win-win situation. Just reaching out, asking questions, getting clarification before you set your appointment. There is nothing wrong with that. You are not a burden for sending a message and asking questions that you need to know, that you need clarity on, so that you can feel comfortable going into the experience. So if you are one of those people that think, oh, it's just such a inconvenience or a burden to call, call someone and ask them those questions, absolutely not. When it comes to your mental health and where you're trying to go in life, it is absolutely not a burden. That's what they do. So don't be afraid to ask. Um, yeah. So that's the second topic, which is on research, right? And research can get real fun, you know? So just have fun with it. So the last topic we're going to go into is the benefits of therapy. This is where we can get a lot of meat in, right? Therapy can be beneficial in many ways. Again, depending on what your challenges are. Some people have different traumas. So some people have physical traumas, emotional traumas, abandonment, neglect, verbal abuse, or physical trauma. Again, uh, may have been violated in their bodies, may have been struck by someone, or may have been in a car wreck. So all of these traumas are different, right? But they all melt into us the same way. Um, so physical trauma can turn into psychological trauma. Psychological trauma can manifest into a physical element. So they're all, they all melt into us. So no trauma is bigger than the other. You just have to know what it is that you're needing when you do your research. And once you connect with your therapist, I think you're going to feel a little bit more safe in knowing that you're going to get some benefit out of this, right? So for me, I've dealt with more psychological traumas than anything. The reason I want to touch on benefits is because oftentimes when I'm having conversations with my people, people say they don't need therapy or, you know, they, fig they, they talk to God or they figure things out on their own. Um, so they're good, right? And 
granted, some people have different ways of coping and understanding things. I do not believe that one thing is for anyone, right? I don't believe that everyone should have therapy or should do therapy. That is a choice. But if it's for you and if you're curious about it, this is obviously a conversation for you, right? So the benefits, therapy for me has been so beneficial in so many ways um, alongside other modalities that I do. So I'm going to be very open and transparent and say that the things that help me heal is not one thing. It's not just therapy. Therapy helps in one space. And then I do yoga and I do other things. You know, I do massages, chiropractic meditations, all of these things, I do those things as well. So it, and with a huge compilation of these things supports me in becoming the best version of myself. Um, the benefits of therapy for me has been finding language to my traumas and wounds. So when I first started uh, therapy, I had a lot, you know, I had a lot of stories. I had a lot of stories in me. I had a lot of experiences in me from childhood to adulthood and I will say, and probably even to this day, I, I kind of ramble a lot, right? I ramble a lot about the experiences. I may go around in circles with the experiences, and I may say this and this happened, that and that happened. But through therapy, therapy gave me a space to begin to put language to my traumas and wounds and to say, okay, that was financial abuse, you know, or that was abandonment. Oh, that was manipulation. You know, having language to identify something for me has been extremely beneficial and knowing how to categorize it so that I can put it where it belongs and move along in my mind space. So therapy for me has helped me a lot with that because I didn't grow up around people or in a community that knew the language of some of our experiences or even knew how to help us guide our perspectives, right? Um, my upbringing was interesting. Um, I was adopted at a young age, and I can go into that story a little bit deeper in another podcast, but I was adopted at a young age, and things were a bit chaotic around me during that time. And um, it, during those spaces, I, no one ever stopped to help me guide my perspective with what was happening. I was just a little kid, maybe up from three years old to 13, 14, 15, all the way up into teenage years. I'm a little kid seeing things happening around me and I'm left to my own conclusions. Now, let's think about that for a second. When we watch movies of our cartoon movies or movies with kids and we see these actors just with their imaginations, right? Like little kids, we have an imagination of a Superman or Spider-Man or Princess Diana and all of these fairy tales, right? We have a very active imagination as kids. So imagine that, right? You're going through trauma and your kid imagination is left to its own interpretation. That can go many, many different ways, <laughs> right? If this world was left to the interpretation, the ending interpretation of a three-year-old, yeah, we're, we're, we would have some interesting experiences. I mean, you know, we can talk about the recent president things and how, you know, maybe he was stuck at a certain age. But, you know, that's, I think that's the root of why a lot of us 
where a lot of people felt the way they felt about our previous pre- presidents because it's like, oh, wow, our, our world and the economy will be left into the hands of someone who thinks this way, right? So the same applies to us as kids when we're left to interpret our experiences on our own. We create a crazy world, and that world can consist of prejudiceness and racisms and... Um, self-criticism and self-doubt and self-worth issues it can it can go many many different ways right um so therapy for me has helped me begin to name and put language to my traumas and wounds and there is a quote I heard a while back and I'm not sure who it's from but I'm going to say it here and um it, was, it has been very helpful in my experience, and it's helping me recognize what's happening with therapy, right? When I say therapy can give me language to my traumas and wounds, there's this quote that says, when you name it, you tame it. And it, it came from this description of a person dealing with an emotion, right? An emotion that felt like a, a angry monster. And... In this cartoonish type of um, example, it gives a guy that's kind of like the kid who's afraid of the monster under his bed. So this emotion is like this big monster. And <laughs> the kid is like, oh, my God, it's a monster on my bed. But that's how we are as adults. We're the, Our emotions are sometimes big monsters. And what if you set with that emotion, which would be therapy, you sat with that emotion, you dug into it, you asked the questions, you, 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 you gave your perception. It was just this kind of this dialogue between you and that big monster. It's like, oh, well, I felt this way when you did this, when you were under my bed. I feel really scared when you're under my bed. And the monster's like, oh, no, nah, man, it's nothing for you to be afraid of. I'd just be chilling. And you're like, well, you know, it's, just, it's like a dialogue. <laughs> and you guys begin to dialogue and to discuss each other's experiences and then you give each other a name and you share your name and it's like oh now that I share my name with you or you've given it a name you guys have a better relationship it's more cordial versus the monster overpowering you and you feeling inferior right to that emotion um so that's the benefit of therapy in my storytelling way (laughs) The benefit of therapy is that it can help you find language to your traumas and wounds. And when you name it, you tame it. And when you tame something, you're more integrated. It's not so much the taming of you being inferior to it, but you guys begin to work together for the better of both goods, right? So that's what taming it means to me. And that's what therapy helps me do. Speaking to someone about my experience helps me guide my perspective to something sometimes I've never even thought about. Um, And for me, this goes into a a separate space, uh, but saying therapy, but separate space of what race of therapists we go and see, right? What ethnicity? Are they black or are they white, right? So... Um, for me, just to go ahead and answer that question, because I didn't answer it the first time we were discussing finding a therapist. Um, 
for me, I initially seek therapy. I didn't care the, the race. Um, I was actually very open to a white therapist. And the reason being is because I knew from my interactions with white people and from my um, experiences growing up around some white people that their their perspectives in life were different than mine's. So that was one reason I was open to a white therapist because I'm like, huh, their perspective is different from mine's. And what if their perspective can help me also, right? Again, put language to my experience. Um, so for me, it was like, I don't want a trauma bond per se with another black therapist. I want to um, just maybe get some advice and see and help and have someone help me guide my perspective. And so I was open to any race. Lo and behold, now I'm with a black therapist and I am having a great experience. You know, she still, even though she's a black therapist, I believe her experience and her um, examples of perspective is different from mine where we have a huge age gap as well. Um, so yeah, that is why I don't make a big fuss about what ethnicity my therapist is, but I do understand the importance of representation. We touched on every topic that was uh, finding a therapist, research, the benefits of therapy. I think therapy is a great thing. Um, again, I don't think it's for everyone. And I don't feel like, you know, people should be forced to go to therapy if they're not ready. You know, you do things on your own time and you move at your flow and you you figure out if it's helpful for you or not because you may not feel that way. And that's okay. It may not be for you. Maybe kickboxing is for you. So with this, we come to the end of today's episode. I hope you had a great time listening to me and we're going to do more of this right we're kind of switching up our style a little bit um we're going to do interviews but i also enjoy just chatting with you and talking about certain topics that come up in my head i have a lot of stuff to talk about and share and uh yeah i'm going to be doing this on top of bringing other experts and other ladies on the show to share their experience because we do have some great conversations so please be sure to leave your reviews um share the podcast tell me what you enjoyed the most about this episode as always tune in next time for another episode that will be launching bi-weekly if you are a young girl between the age of 18 or 24 please reach out dm me if you want to share your story, if you're open to it, you want to have a good old discussion, I am open for it. I love a great conversation. Also, if you're a therapist listening to this or you're going to school for therapy and, you know, you want to be on the show, reach out because I'm probably going to be reaching out to some of you guys. I am interested in hearing some perspectives from therapists, counselors, social workers, and teachers in all types of different areas of um, work with kids so would love to have you on the show and I also love it if you would follow us on social media on all our social media channels we are Girl Stands Cha so that's G-I-R-L-S-T-A-N-C-E-C-H-A until next time beautiful people beautiful listeners we are out thank you and have a beautiful day Thanks for joining us today. What feelings are you left with after hearing today's episode? What did today's episode spark in you? Did you hear something that you feel is hard to apply to your life? 
Or does something powerfully resonate with you? DM us on Instagram at girlstandschop and let's talk about it. Are you a girl between the age of 13 and 24 looking to master self-awareness, calmness, and elegance? Think of joining our upcoming programs at girlstance.org. Oh, and don't forget to leave us the ratings on iTunes and Spotify so more young women can grow with us. In the meantime, check out all the links located in our podcast description for more information. What She Said is presented by Girl Stems Incorporated, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that specializes in guiding girls to strengthen internal resources to navigate dysfunctional patterns at the level of thoughts, feelings, and behaviors.